Those are the strains of Eliyahu Hanavi from the Afro-Semitic Experience. And welcome back to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Well, our senator, U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal, is in the middle of one of the story making the biggest headlines for quite a while now. One of the biggest questions we're going to be teasing out in our society is the future of big tech and what responsibility platforms like Google, Facebook, and YouTube have for the material they disseminate. Good morning, Senator Blumenthal. Thank you so much for making time to come on Dateline New Haven. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm delighted to do it. So obviously we were interested to find out that you've been named the chair of a new Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology, and the Law. And I, if I have it right, Senator, part of your mission is to look at whether or not we want to reform Section 230 of the Bipartisan 1996 Community Decency Act. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Uh, as you know, this statute provides just about complete immunity from any kind of legal action for big tech. It was not big tech when this law was passed. It was very small and young tech. And nobody is forever young. And this industry certainly is no longer small. And to shield it completely from any accountability in a court of law or any other legal framework is, in my view, outdated and outmoded. I think, uh, Senator, that most people are on board with that general sentiment. So the hard work you need to do now is to figure out how to do it right and in what ways. So Section 230, as it's known, both parties passed it. That was back. There was no Google then. There was no Facebook then. There was no YouTube then. So, and tell me if I'm wrong about the Senator, that law said that if you have a platform on the internet and users, just the public goes on and posts stuff, you as the person running that website are not legally responsible if they slander someone, if they libel someone, if they put false information, if they destroy someone's life, or if they have terrorists recruit people to kill people, which is one of the issues now. Now we have these platforms that are the biggest publishers in the world. Instantly, millions of people see the information they publish and they make money. From that so small publishers like the new haven independent we go to we can be sued if we let someone write in a write a letter to an editor and it's libelous and if a thousand or two thousand people see it but if 20 million people immediately see slander or libel published on youtube or facebook they don't is that a fair way to look at it that's a fair summary and it's not only slander and libel it's child sexual abuse material. It is uh, trafficking of children, child labor, all kinds of abuses that can be advertised on the internet right now, or toxic content about bullying, eating disorders, even suicide that is driven to children by algorithms. No one knows what's in those algorithms. They are in effect a black box. And not only was there no Google, no Facebook back when this law was passed, there was also nothing like an algorithm. Nobody even would have used the word. So the entire nature of this industry has in effect changed. And to regard them as simply a neutral conduit or a platform like the soapbox that somebody stands on, you don't blame the soapbox for what people say in the town square, but now, these companies, they are for-profit companies, they are making enormous profits.
by driving certain content to people by hosting certain kinds of defamation or slander, but also really very dangerous misinformation and disinformation. And they should have some accountability, just the way, as you point out, small publishers, the New Haven Independent or others around the country, or big publishers like the New York Times or TV stations. Fox is being sued right now. And why not hold responsible the ones who may actually aggravate by repetition or by preferencing certain kinds of content? So we talked two issues here to tease out here. One of the issues is, as you mentioned, just the mere act of publishing. In 1996, when I wrote, they didn't think of these platforms as publishing. They're now publishers. You mentioned algorithms, which is the computer formula by which these automatically something that's toxic, something that's dangerous, something that's slanderous, something that promotes child abuse or people to join a, a terrorist cell gets to more people automatically. So one of the, these issues are being teased out in two Supreme Court cases right now. Um, and one of them is about algorithms, as you mentioned, is that a form of publishing by deciding to show it to more people? What is the Senate's role going to be with law? How are you looking at changing the law to affect this? Well, that's a great question, Paul. And as you said right at the outset, one of our tasks, if we're going to change the law, is to get it right. You're also absolutely correct to point out that the United States Supreme Court has two cases before it that may impact this area of law, because the arguments that we're making now, that 230 is outdated, that it should be reviewed or reformed, have also been made to the Supreme Court. But it may well say, you know, Mr. Gonzalez, you have a lot of good points. The name of the case is Gonzalez, but you should be making those points to the Senate and the House of Representatives. And that's where the reform should be. I have a feeling. I could be wrong, but I've argued four cases in the United States Supreme Court, and I was AG of Connecticut and U.S. attorney. I have a feeling they're going to kick this case back to the legislative bodies. And that's not a bad thing because we have a responsibility to enact reform and do it right. And here's what I envision happening. To the tech companies, I say reform is coming. We need your cooperation. We don't want you to lobby and work against us to hire armies of lawyers and lobbyists. We know your power. And if you want to be a constructive partner here, cooperate. And I hope they will cooperate because we can change the law so as to promote better designs of the platform, business operations, personalized algorithms. This whole area really deserves more transparency, more public disclosure so that parents, and consumers know why they are getting certain kinds of content, why ads for, let's say, resorts in Las Vegas are coming to them. Well, it may be they, these companies have data, they have information about you that enables them to know you've made trips to Las Vegas because they get information from the airlines or wherever. And that whole world, I think, deserves to be known by consumers and likewise parents. So you're talking about transparency as one element. Then there's the element that Gonzalez case, if it gets kicked back to you, is that's the parents, I believe, if I have the case right, where their kid was uh, killed in ISIS attack and the kid had be the person had become um, lured by the algorithm for ISIS training videos. So in addition to transparency, how would you address that? 
because there are these anti-terrorism laws that are being invoked here and whether they apply to that. I'll give you a specific example, Paul, of the kind of reform I think has to be done. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, and I have proposed Kids Online Safety Act. Let me repeat, Kids Online Safety Act. What would it require? Well, first of all, transparency is one element of it. Second, tools and safeguards so that parents and children could simply disconnect the algorithms. A lot of kids feel they're losing control over their lives because there's this addictive material that's driven to them again and again. The, the basic business model here, remember, is more clicks, more eyeballs shown to the advertisers means more ad money. That's and I'm with you on this algorithm question. I know a positive side of algorithms. My favorite way of doing what we used to do was just listening to the radio is YouTube figures out all this music I'm going to want to hear, groups I've never heard of, that actually love. So I guess there is a, a positive role for algorithms as well as a negative. So you're saying give people the choice and the transparency. Exactly. And I agree totally. There may be some positives and we want to enable people to have those choices about the algorithms when they are completely innocent. But in addition to the choices on algorithms, we would impose a duty of care. In other words, a trust responsibility so that if a platform knows that someone is receiving tons of information about eating disorders and has reason to know that it is affecting that young person, particularly, frankly, young girls, or bullying. One of the witnesses in our recent hearing was the mother of a young man, Carson McBride, who committed suicide because of bullying. In today's world, the bullying follows everyone home, right to bedtime. It used to be bullying occurred on the school playground and it ended when somebody went home. Now the internet is constantly in people's lives and the platforms should have a duty of care. Well, I remember ever since your days at Attorney General, you really focused on some of those issues about how teenagers are living their lives and how kids are being abused. This is really interesting. I hadn't thought about all this stuff. You Senator Richard Blumenthal, if I let you go, I want to ask you about the other leg of this that you brought up earlier. So we just talked about algorithms and responsibility, transparency, safeguards. What about the pure publishing issue? Do you have any specific proposals to deal with the responsibility, legal liability, publishers of these platforms, Google, Facebook, YouTube have, they now have a blanket protection under the, uh, Section 230. Are you looking at changing them being responsible for libelous statements being published on their platforms? Absolutely right, Paul. Very important point. In many respects now, they may operate as publishers rather than simply neutral conduits of information as a platform without any role in disseminating information or choosing what information to disseminate. And I think the law needs to be revised to be more realistic. And I will tell you, because you made reference to it, as Attorney General of the state of Connecticut, I got into cases involving Craigslist and MySpace. Some of them are no longer as active or big as they were, just shows you, you know, the way this whole industry has changed. But some of these ads actually 
promote discriminatory practices in housing, housing ads saying no minorities, literally. How could the platform not know about that violation of law? It should be held responsible just as a publisher would be under the- What those about, some people have suggested on the left and the right, even President Trump for reasons I think you and I might not agree with, but there's been the suggestion, just drop it. The social media isn't what it was. They're publishers. They no longer get a special exemption under 230, period. They are no longer getting a legal shield for publishing libel. Any chance of that being a proposal? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned left and right. Well, the ranking member on my subcommittee, as you mentioned, on tech and privacy, is in fact Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri. He and I are working very closely together. If you took our opening statements at our first hearing of the subcommittee, you could have almost exchanged them and have each of us give the others opening statement. And if you took some of the questions that were asked from the whistleblower, Francis Haugen, who came forward last year, talked about Facebook profiting by driving toxic content to kids. Those questions from my colleagues, Republicans and Democrats, you could have closed your eyes and you wouldn't have known whether it was a Republican or Democrat. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for bipartisanship. Different motives may be at play between myself and Donald Trump. But uh, again, Donald Trump is not in the United States Senate. I hope we will have constructive voices. Thank you so much. You, Senator Rich Bloomfield, it's always a treat. You're always up to such interesting stuff. So you got your finger on the pulse here of one Thank of the biggest issues about the future of how information will be spread and liability for it. Good luck with yourself being the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology, and the Law. Thanks for joining us on Dateline New Haven. We're going to take a short break, and then Karen Bois walton the executive director of the City Housing Authority and the chair of the State Board of Education will be with us in the studio. we got a lot to talk about there. Hold on tight.